Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you'll find several speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Roy. Well, I'm a compulsive overeater and a miracle of mental health. My name is Roy. I hear you laughing. Obviously not reading the book the way you should. Do I have my sunglasses on? Yeah, good. Arlene got really mad at me one time I spoke here. I didn't realize my sunglasses were down the whole meeting. It was during during the summer, I guess. I was really right. I want to uh, thank, uh, if, who was that Serenity Sunday this past Sunday? Any of you guys? Uh, get mad at Diane because she's the one that asked me. <laughs> I spoke at Serenity Sunday. Um, but thank you, Diane and Absentia, uh, for asking me to share here. Congratulations to David. Congratulations to Leslie. I think you were one of the early supporters of this meeting, as I recall. I don't remember. Was Walter G. still going when you came around? Maybe you were after him. But anyway, uh, yeah? Okay, so Leslie was really here at the, at the real beginnings of this meeting, which was started because I got annoyed with OA. He never gave me enough time to speak, frankly. That's how the meeting started. <laughs> it's the usual motivation, frankly, for most 12-step programs is a resentment. So I'm not an exception in that case. And by the way, OA doesn't know how to do book studies. So why me, God? Why do I always have to be one? I may have to start a book study. Um... um I'm going to ask my higher power to speak through me because um, that's all I am as a messenger boy for this program. You've already heard some great messages from the uh, birthday people, the chip people, a visitor from Santa Barbara, right? Isn't that what you said? You were visiting from Santa Yeah. I heard it wrong, maybe. I don't know. Um, but congratulations on your chip, wherever you're coming from. So, um, I spoke up at Santa Barbara about a year ago. Anyway, um, let me just start with the stats. Um, I, my top weight was 280-something. That's 100 pounds of where I am now. I gained and lost 80 pounds at least three times. I've been on the... I'm trying to go in chronological order. Ephetamines, dexadrenaline, I think it was dexamil, Stillman diet, pregnant hormone shot diet, liquid protein diet, and various other diets. And I came in uh, Overeaters Anonymous in 1978 and after a rather colorful relapse, which I may get a chance to talk to you about tonight if I have enough time. I was struck abstinent, and I've been abstinent for over 38 years, and and, um, thank you, God. And when I say I'm abstinent, I mean the obsession has been removed. I'm presented with the opportunity compulsively overeat. I recoil as if from a hot flame. 
I'm on safe, neutral ground. I'm not fighting it. I'm not cocky. I'm not afraid. If the problem has been removed. And this is one of the great promises of the big book. And when I take my OA sponsors through the steps, I just take that book and I have them cross out alcohol and put in food and cross out alcoholism, put it in compulsive overeating, and I take them right through the steps the way I would an AA guy or a drug addict or an Al-Anon. I don't have my uh, original third edition with me tonight, but if you have an original third edition dust jacket, you will see on the dust jacket that it says, this is the original message. This is the message of AA. And it's the message of OA, too, because that's where we got our steps and traditions. And it's the book. This was the first treatment for addiction in the history of man. People lose the... I'm a member of the AA History Lovers website, so, you know, forgive me if I digress, but people lose the historical context of this stuff. Before 1935, if you were an addict, and I'm sure that includes food addicts, drug addicts, they had a few, opium, right, laudanum back then, cocaine in the day, but mostly alcohol was the big colorful drug of the day, you die. End of discussion. The fat lady has sung, it's over, Johnny, it's over. You died of addiction. And then this book came out, and all of a sudden you could live. And then, you know, in the 60s, Roseanne figured out, well, God, we got an addiction to food. We're dying of this thing, too. I want to live. And she made some right choices. Roseanne was my first food sponsor, by the way. I moved to L.A. about 20 years ago. She made some good choices, and, well, she made some few mistakes in the beginning, like trying to rewrite the steps, but she soon got the message. And she realized early on, and she would invite the AA speakers to come to the early OA meetings to speak, she realized that the solution is still here. Right in the book, right before us. You know, it's in black and white. And if you want to recover from this thing, you can recover from this thing. Because I've recovered from this thing. The obsession has been lifted. And one thing I can tell you is I know I ain't special. I mean, I'm not a particularly uh, person of high moral character, frankly. So if you think I'm an asshole, that's the best news you heard all week. Because it means any fool can get abstinent and stay abstinent over years anonymous. You know, we're not saints. We can't hear saints in this program. You know, they're, they're always talking down to us and talking at us. You know, here... We tell them our story. We don't talk at you. We say, look, this is what happened to me. When I, and I'll go into my story because that's the uh, direction of the uh, book. Our story is disclosed in a journal. Like what we were like, often misquoted as what it was like. What it, you already know what it was like. It was a surrealistic shitstorm is what it was like. <laughs> but what we were like, what happened and what we are like now. Oh, Diane warned me not to curse. Uh, well, you should have been here, Diane, keeping on. Um, what, I, what I was like, what happened when it's like, I came from a family of compulsive overeaters. Parents always on diets. Uh, my father, um, he developed adult onset diabetes. The doctor told him, just get rid of the carbs, eat normally, eat healthy, and you take these Orbe's tablets, and he's like taking multiple vitamins. No problem. My mother would find half-eaten boxes of seeds, candy under his bed. 
that kind of stuff, you know, which is insane for a diabetic. That's where his disease took him, to the gates of insanity and death. And sure enough, I mean, he wound up shooting insulin. I used to see the syringes and the vials in the refrigerator, and I think you have to keep that stuff refrigerated. Parents always on diets. My brother's been up. He claims he only got up to 260, but, man, he looked like he was pushing 280. He's always doing something to do with his weight. And he's been to meetings, but he's not. he doesn't. Our way of life, for whatever reason, doesn't attract him. And we can't be of help to everybody, says the book, you know. And, um, and he knows I got recovery here. Anyway, that's the family I came from. It was a family disease. I picked up alcohol. Well, later, but, I mean, to tell you the truth, the family disease was overeating. Well, let me put it this way. I was fat from the age of seven, and I was only drunk since the age of 16 because I couldn't get to it. <laughs> as soon as I got my hands on it, believe me, I was out of control. The one thing I don't identify with in Bill's story, by the way, is this. Uh, pretty much identify with most everything else. Here's one thing, though, I don't identify with in Bill's story. Next day found me drinking both gin and sedative. This combination soon landed me on the rocks. People feared for my sanity. So did I. I could eat little or nothing when drinking, and I was 40 pounds underweight. I do not identify with it. <laughs> when, I, when, I would come off an, when I would come off an alcohol run, and I'd be shaky. I'm a real alcoholic, by the way. You know, they, I mean, they people had to hospitalize me. I'm the real deal, head-on collision blackout type. But uh, when I would come down on a run in the morning, I'd be shaky. I would get a pound and a half of marzipan. That's how I would, I would treat my, my detoxing with food, you know, like a half a pound of bacon, four or six eggs, you know, uh, four pieces of toast and butter. And I mean, that's the way I try to calm myself down in the morning, you know, when I was a little shaky. You know what marzipan is? You might as well take sugar and just mainline it. So... Uh, my, my drug of choice was a half gallon of mint chip ice cream. That was a nice dessert. Um, anyway, I was, a, I was fat since the age of seven. Came from a family compulsive overeaters. Developed the alcohol problem. The only thing I want to say about that is it's really hard to go on those crazy extreme diets when you're drunk because, you, you know, you really miss the booze. You know, I did, I did try and become a vegetarian and live on vodka and mashed potatoes for a month. <laughs> that, that food plan did not work. I didn't wait on that food plan. But anyway, uh, anyway, let me cut to the chase. Um, after a head-on collision of blackout, I got sober in 1978. And uh, I came into AA. And you know how the program is. You come in one and you hear about the other ones. I mean, they say... AA is a bridge back to life, and it turns out to be a tunnel to another 12-step program. <laughs> and uh, I wound up in several of them, trust me. Uh, any Al-Anonics out there? I'm o over 30 years in al -Anon. So, uh, thank you, God, for al -Anon. Because I'm constantly, like, we had a, when this meeting started, like, the tape guy refused to turn over his commitment. He just no, I'm not. I'm keeping my commitment. He said, what do you mean you're keeping your commitment? You can't keep your commitment. Well, you show me and introduce me. So I showed him. It doesn't matter. You know, you need to. Uh, I need. You need the traditions. You guys haven't been around a long time. You got to latch on to the steps and the book and a sponsor, of course, and a food plan. 
But when you've been around as long as I have and you're active and you do service and you start meetings, you come to realize the importance of the traditions. And, uh, you know, so I don't get into politics or religion or anything like that ever when I speak or mention anything about that stuff. And that's the way it should be. And it's in the traditions. And if you don't know where it is, come see me after the meeting. I'll show you. <laughs> I have to show that clown where it says rotating leadership in his past. It's actually in Tradition 9 and the AA 12 and 12. It's in the OA 12 and 12, too. Anyway, um, okay, so the family I came from was compulsive overeaters. And uh, I hit my bottom with alcohol, and I come in an AA, and the geniuses from that program, and it's actually in the book, say, well, if you do like taking a drink, have a candy bar. <laughs> okay. <laughs> These guys are wise beyond their years, you know. <laughs> well, that might work for Bill, who's 40 pounds underweight and could eat little or nothing, but it doesn't work for Roy, whose first drug was food, you know, before I could ever get my hands on So, I mean, my first month I was sober, I gained 30 pounds. I mean, I am a real compulsive overeater, you know. I'm out of control with the food. I'm eight months sober. I can't stop eating. And you know how the program is. You come into one, you hear about the other ones. And uh, I wind up going to my first OA meeting in Miami in 1978. And... Uh, Poor souls, God bless them. They, well, you cannot transmit what you do not have. Back in 78 Miami, I don't know what it was like in L.A. because I wasn't here. Because they were smart enough to ask for some early speakers from the other 12-step programs to come in before the OA 12 and 12 was written. Everything. But back in 78, the, the higher power was gray sheet. It really was. I mean, everything was about gray sheet. And, everybody, and it's cookie-cutter abstinence, like... Everybody's is one size fits all. You're on gray sheet. You either and that we didn't need how because it was all how. It was gray sheet, you know. You come in and it's gray sheet. And uh, I remember my first meeting. Uh, I don't think there was a man at my first meeting, by the way. And uh, we, you know, they go through the meeting. I don't remember a thing that was said. I just remembered I was not thrilled to be there. And they say the serenity prayer, and this woman comes up to me and says, well, how do you know the serenity prayer? I said, well, I'm, I'm in the other program about eight months, but I can't stop eating. She goes, my name is Edie. I'm a compulsive overeater. I've lost 90 pounds, and I've kept it off for five years. Now, that gets my attention, say. I mean, that's why we tell our stories. If you read the book, you find out the reason I tell my story in OA is to gain the confidence of the newcomer. That's why the stories are in the book. And that's why OA book studies that read the stories are wasting their time. Okay? That's where we had to have the Brown book written. It's not there. I don't see it. But it's an OA storybook. I can't stay abstinent in AA. They don't get it. I think Leslie already said something about that. They just don't get it. You know, they don't get my sick relation with food. They never will because they don't have my problem with food. The purpose of the stories in the book, and it starts in the preface, it's actually the first instruction given to the reader. It's not a suggestion. It's certainly not an order. It's not a command. It's a hope. It says, we hope you will pause when reading. In the first edition, it says, score of personal stories and say, Yes, that happened to me. In other words, you identify with the food along. 
More important, yes, I felt like that. That's all right. Not enough time. Always nice time. And most important, yes, this program will work for me too. So stories are put in the book. Because when they wrote that book, there were no meetings. And if some guy in Podunk, Iowa, wants to know if he's an alcoholic or not, you could send him a book. There were about 30 stories in the back. And there were stories in the text in the first 164. So the purpose of the stories and why I started this meeting is so that you could come in and identify. And I tell you my story so that you can say, holy shit, he was as crazy as I was around the food, and yet he has recovered from this thing. Okay? So I come in, and... Edie becomes my first sponsor. And it's all about gray sheet. Couldn't put milk in my coffee. I wanted to change a pair for an apple. Couldn't change a pair for an apple. Don't eat you know, too much sugar in the pair. I had to call in. I'm, you know, if I wanted to change anything, you have to call in first. Okay? And this is how it was in 1978 in Miami. And probably here, too. And they had these questions. These Westminster OA questions, which came from California. All the screwball shit starts out here. And, uh... <laughs> complete nonsense, in my opinion, I'll tell you. With 38 years of, you know, recovery. I'm a recovered compulsive over here. The obsession has been lifted. It's just, it's just nonsense, okay? But that's the way it was. And I'm on this gray sheet for two weeks and I'm on my way to France okay and they're taking bets in the A club as I'm going to get drunk which they had no idea I, I speak French I, I could have made four meetings a day in Paris if I wanted to two in English two in France no problem with the alcohol but Edie says well you're going to France brown bag of lunch <laughs> On for the plane. And I well, wait a second. I mean, I'm too cool to brown bag. To brown bag. I mean, come on. I'm going on a plane. I, brown bag. Well, I didn't follow sponsored direction. Right? Not my price sheet. So I called. I folded for a diabetic meal. And I got to the plane and checked in the bag. Yes, we have the diabetic meal. Checked with the stewardess on the plane. Yes, we have the diabetic meal. Okay, so I... I haven't eaten, well, as far as I'm concerned, I haven't eaten for two weeks, but I hadn't eaten since breakfast. And I'm on the plane by the time they get off and clear everything away and ready to serve lunch about two in the afternoons. So, I mean, I am hungry. And sure enough, comes time to pass out the diabetic meals. There ain't no diabetic meals. The food service forgot it. So they put something in front of me like everybody else. Now, we're not talking about, you know, uh, Hot fudge Sundays, are, but we're talking about stuff I hadn't seen for a couple of weeks, like bread, potatoes, you know. And of course, there was the cook, you know, the airplane cupcake for dessert, of course. <laughs> so, I mean, what am I going to do? I haven't eaten for two weeks and seven hours, or whatever the hell it is. I haven't eaten since six o'clock in the morning, and I am starving. So, I just took the first compulsion. I just ate it. And then I ate that cupcake. And then the neighbor didn't eat her cupcake. So I asked for her cupcake. So I start compulsively overeating on the plane on the way to Paris. You know how they say you hit the ground running? I hit the ground in France eating. 
And the, the OA meetings in France, I mean, it was crazy enough in Miami at the time. But in Paris at the time, in 78, I mean, it was the flakiest, shakiest OA meetings you've ever seen. I mean, it was, I mean, Bob R. was 11 years sober. He's throwing up 11 times a day. Our French pioneer, Morset, who since rebirthed herself as Natalie, she never liked her name. She was out of control. I remember English Maggie was out of control. I'm sitting here eight months sober, quoting the, the 12 and 12 minutes. Meanwhile, you know. Nobody is asked. Ten minutes. They never give me enough time. I feel so. Uh, at least I'll get asked. You know, I don't have enough time to talk about the stats or 38 years of recovery. But the, per the point of this is we're all out of control. Nobody knows what the hell they're doing. And I, I, I hit my bottom in the gaff. The uh, train station in Marseille, I used to take the Midnight Express up to Paris to go to Meese. And I'm looking at, like, my fifth French Mounds bar of the day. And I go all the way to Paris, and what am I binging on? Mounds bars, right? <laughs> or, and bread, cheese, and chocolate. And very good bread, cheese, and chocolate. <laughs> but I gained 30 pounds my first month over here. And the food's, I'm out of control of the food. And you know how it is, the clothes are getting tight. And I knew there, there was this distant glimmer of hope called abstinence, which I could only remember as gray sheet, which is like torture, deprivation, starvation, not fun. So the whole point of this, I mean, it was a moment of truth where I just said, um, well, when I get up in the train tomorrow in Paris, I'm just going to try and be abstinent and go to a meeting. So I go through, I get up, I have some softball eggs, put milk in the coffee. Screw you, Edie, you're not here. Again. <laughs> Give me a pair for dessert. Yeah. So I have a livable breakfast. I think the dignity of choice transfer was out by then. I had a livable breakfast that I could live with, trotting around, go to the new meeting, go out to the cafe with the drunks afterwards. Give me, you know, filet de boeuf avec du salade, enlever le, le frites, it was like, take away the french fries, take away the bread, because that was definitely a binge food, great bread over there. And I just had, like, you know, meat and salad and bananas or pears. Un double creme. Creme, s'il vous plaît. Bien chaud. And, uh, you know, put milk in the coffee, Pierre. You're not here, Evie, so. I ate an accident lunch that I could live with. You know, you know, doing my thing. Go to, same thing at night. I ate an accident dinner. Now, my point about all this is I was totally in the now. God is always in the now. There's one who has all power. May you find him now. God is always in the now. When you're meditating, you're in the now. You have thoughts coming in. Fear from the future, resentments from the past. But if you can really detach from those thoughts, you're in the now. And you ask God to fill you up. So I'm in the now. And I go to that Monday night meeting. It was on the right bank, right near the President's Palace. Ruth Santonore, as I recall. It was the English St. Michael's English Church. And uh, I, I couldn't believe it. I'd gotten a day of abstinence after two months of binging, you know. And I wanted to be the VIP and superstar of the meeting. And I come into that meeting, and we read the outworks and the tools and everything. And he says, anybody have anything to say tonight? And, of course, my hand shoots up because I want to be the superstar and VIP. And I say, I got something to tell you guys today. I'm abstinent today. 
And then Morissette looks at me and goes, I'm abstinent today. And Bob R. looks at me and goes, I'm abstinent today. And the little starving anorexic goes, I'm abstinent today. The whole meeting gets abstinent on the same day at the same time. It's a group miracle. And as far as I am concerned, the greatest spiritual event in France is Lourdes. And it is, it's been the kernel of OA in France. If we only had English speaking OA then. We'd send the French out to die. Or they'd come in and try and get the English, and they couldn't get it. And they'd say, I'm sorry, there's no French OA. It's not really bad for them. I thought we were sending them out there to die, you know, but... But see, that abstinence, that group miracle where I couldn't be the superstar, God, my higher power takes care of me in very strange ways, keeps that ego down. Uh, that was the beginning of the real recovery in Paris. And I don't have much time as usual. <laughs> well, I can stop at 6.20. I think I will. I, I don't know if that will leave any time for questions, but uh, I just want to tell you that Everybody, these are age-old, I'm going to quote Bill Wilson, 1951 Dallas recording. Age-old spiritual principles, as old as the hills, nothing new here. The real magic is one compulsive overeater talking to another. You see, we get each other here. The most, two most important words in Overeaters Anonymous is me too. Yeah, okay, I get it. You know, we get each other here. And we are special here. And what we have is very special here. If you don't believe me, next time your car's in the shop and you're taking the big blue bus around, turn to that woman next to you at the bus stop and go, oh, I'm feeling a little squirrely today. See what happens. <laughs> but if you come in here and say, I'm feeling a little squirrely today, you know, yeah, tell me about it. Well, me too, man. I had a rough day yesterday. Well, tell me about it. And we get each other here. So those spiritual principles are simply powerlessness, you know, you can, I don't care about this semantics, you call it principle, the first step is honesty, the principle, the first step is surrender, that's all semantic bullshit. Food, <laughs> food is the great persuader, you know, it beats me down to a state where I'm just saying, you know what it was when I was binging my brains out, and the more I prayed, by the way, in France, the more I binged, it's like I'm holding on to a red hot fireplace poker, and the more I prayed, it seems like the tighter I held on to it. And the pain of the present had to get worse than my fear of the future. And I was willing to just drop the poker and step into this new world called abstinence. Now, it couldn't be Edie's abstinence. It had to be an abstinence that's okay for me. And that's why we have suggestions in the, in the dignity of choice. And we suggest you work out a food plan that works for you with your sponsor. And, that's, and they're there as a witness between me and the higher power that, yeah, I'm going to eat this tomorrow. I, I email, to this day, I email my food to Zan. And um, Roseanne was my first food sponsor. And my second was Natalie, who's passed away. And I still have Roseanne. I email my food. And it's really a covenant between me and my higher power. That this is what I'm going to eat because this is sane for me. And she's my witness to the covenant. And if I alter it, due to like, you know, I'm out there in the real world, I will tell her that, you know, I ate this and that. I went out to a restaurant, you know. And then, so the food beats me in a state of reasonableness. So I come in here and I realize there's power here. And I just open my mind. You know, the second step, if you read it in the book, it's really not about believing God or this. It's about let go of old ideas. 
set them aside, lay aside prejudice, even against organized religion. You know, let go of it. You can pick them up later. If you're a supercharged atheist, president of the atheist society, that's okay. Just drop it to the side for the time being and open your mind. That's all we're asking you to do. And if you, if you decide, like, I got no power, these people seem to have power. This guy, Royce, he's nuts, but he's absent 38 years. He must have some power. Then you make a decision to go for the power, right? And the book says that decision won't be worth deadly. It doesn't quite use those words, but unless immediately followed out by action, we launched into a vigorous house cleaning. Launched is an interesting word. Ask a carrier pilot what launch means. It means he's going to steam catapult. It goes from zero to 400 miles an hour in about 3.5 seconds. See? So I, when I have my guys do the third step prayer, I said, next time we meet, you have a legal pad with you. We're going to immediately start. And you're going to write down, here's what you're going for in the fourth step. People you hate. What you're afraid of. Sexual behavior, which is harm to others. M money amends. He says we, we're going to eat if we can't face our creditors. I mean, if you look at what's in that inventory, it's really about resentments. People we've harmed. Sexual behavior that harms others. Irresponsibility with money. Okay? And then we do a fifth step where it says, I won't find enough of fearlessness and humility until I've told someone else all italicized in the book my life story. Which means that we got to let the deep, dark secrets go. I've shared stuff with sponsors that I didn't tell a shrink or any, you know. You're going to have to sit down with another wacko compulsive overeater and share stuff you wouldn't tell your psychiatrist. You're paying them $150 an hour. That's how we roll here. Me too. You know, we can't hear saints, but we can hear another sick son of a bitch. That's just, that's the magic of 12-step programs. And then once I have that list in front of me, it says I'm going to turn to this list. It holds the key to the future. That's one of the greatest little throwaway lines in the book. Did you ever ponder that line? Why would a list of people I hate hold the key to my future? Think about that. But it does. Because what I realize, if, if I see the defects, okay, in, the, in that list, I realize if I don't let them go, I'm going to recreate the list. It's the key to my future. It's going to maybe a different face, slightly different circumstance. But if I'm angry, I'm going to collide with the other angry fools. If I'm a thief, I'm going to fall in amongst thieves. When I'm a drunk and a compulsive eater, all my friends are barflies and binge buddies. I'm in recovery. All my friends are in recovery. Because spiritually, I'll recreate my world around me. Okay? And then the seven-step prayer is so short in the book because it's really just a prayer for power to go into the amends. Because if I don't make the amends, it means I'm not willing to give up the defect, frankly. It took me 14 years to get cash register honesty in the program. You know what stopped me stealing? Paying back the money. Okay? Every step reconfirms the previous step. And if I do this, I step into the world of the Spirit. And I can live in 10, 11, and 12. They tell me I'm out of time. So unless I have to, you know, see, they, they never give me enough time in a way. But uh, <laughs> for 38 years plus, I've, I've, I've lived in the world of the Spirit. And it's all about helping others to recover and carrying a message. And that's what the 12 steps are. And practicing in all my affairs as best I can. 
And I am no saint, trust me. All right. I hope I didn't piss off Diane too much. Thank you all.